Welcome to the Dark Zone, an adventure racing podcast. <laughs> and at the time, there foggy place, and then we we hear this voice somewhere, like, "Oh, oh, did you hear the sound? Uh, someone is close to us. Maybe other team, like after CP64, they are, uh, we they are walking around us." We just guessed because we just thought we are very close to the CP64. <laughs> but actually, it was rescue team. Okay, you people sit tight, hold the fort, and keep the home fires burning. And if we're not back by dawn, call the president. You're going the wrong way! What? You're going the wrong way! He says we're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. How would he know where we're going? Yeah, how would he know? Thank you. Thanks a lot. Welcome back, faithful listeners. Brian Gatens here, host of The Dark Zone. Episode number 77, uh, we survived, enjoyed, loved our race in the Faroe Islands, courtesy of Staffen and the Nordic Islands Adventure Race crew. It was a wild and woolly race and a lot of fun. Today's guest, Sashiko Takoro, was on Team Eastwind, uh, one of the newer racers on the team. This is her third international race, um, a long-distance trail runner. She was a great fit for the team, and she does a wonderful job with today's episode. Credit to Shoshiko. Uh, English is not her native language, but we got through it together. I did some uh, nice editing, so she sounds clear and smooth, and she did a fantastic job. You'll notice during the episode that uh, I tell her I'm not going to put in the news of her impending nuptials, but we were both so excited at my reaction that she allowed me to keep that news in there. Spoiler alert, she's getting married to a guy in Canada not too long from now. Um, from a Dark Zone perspective, Faroe Islands was absolutely an amazing race. Race with my buddy Jim, done a lot of races with him, brought on Dave and Shelly, people we've known socially, but we raced with together for the first time, and we just had so much fun. Took a day and a half, two days to get into a groove, but once we got into it, it was a blast out there. Uh, there was an unfortunate nighttime incident trying to put a poncho on in Gale Force Winds. That didn't go well. I'll let Shelly tell that story someday. But otherwise, the Faroe Islands were all that they promised to be. Um, once again, thank you to Staffen and his crew for all that they did. Um, I would list them all, but too many good volunteers, too many good people. Uh, thank you for following along at home. Um, Dark Zone had a great time at the race. It was some experience and completely worth it. And we are blessed and fortunate to have Sashiko joining us today. Um, she is a boss when it comes to adventure racing and a fantastic interview. So sit back and relax and enjoy this episode of The Dark Zone. And as always, thank you for being here. And one last quick note. Sometimes I do a proper introduction when opening up a show. And sometimes we jump right into the conversation and we begin almost midstream. That's what happened next. Sashiko and I are having a conversation, and I just edited it and started it, and so it's a rather abrupt beginning to the show, but here she is telling us all about her race in the Faroe Islands. Thanks for being here. Tell me what it's like for you to be connected 
to a team like Eastwind? Like what was your experience? How were you selected and what races have you done so far with them? So as you know, as you mentioned, um, the new member in Team Eastwind, Team Eastwind, but also I started adventure racing since 2016. So as I I appeared adventure racing world, I don't know when, like, <laughs> uh, so I'm kind of new here, but for me, uh, he's already very famous. If I talk with Admiral's friends, everyone knows team is win. Cause at that time, Masato Tanaka is legendary, legendary. Also new captain, uh, Yoki Tanaka is also very famous in the TV show. He's a famous mountaineer. But to be honest, I didn't know how famous in the world like once i appeared uh when i went to the expedition oregon uh, everyone said oh team is wind i know you guys everyone talked to me but i didn't know that team is is super famous in the world <laughs> but once i talk with masato especially masato he's super legendary oh i got it because they have a lot of crazy history. <laughs> you know, as, as the audience knows, I mentioned in part of our introduction, the fact that we raced alongside each other just recently in the Faroe Islands. And yes. it was, you could tell that when the team came into a room, when the team was around, people kind of knew that Eastwind was there. Uh, as you said, yes. Masato Tanaka is a, a famous mountaineer. He's very famous. I know in Japanese culture on TV shows, um, as part of my research, I saw that he's, he's very, very well known. So, so Eastwind carries that reputation as they go into races. Um, and it was wonderful to see all of you in the Faroe Islands. You, you clearly enjoyed yourself and we'll get to the Faroes eventually. We have a lot to talk about that race, but tell me a bit about Expedition Oregon. Was that your first overseas race? Exactly. It was first time for me. And how did that go? How did you find the experience? For me, it was, yeah, I was not super nervous at that time because I already had, had some experience. Like I, I used, I was, uh, I am train runner and I did a lot of race in abroad, like, uh, a lot of race abroad, like in Germany or France, Italy. So race abroad, uh, international race is not, um, very new challenge for me, but the thing is, I, I'm the only person who speak English in this team. So. To understand English and get all information in English is my responsibility. That's so a lot of pressure. Only one. Yes, a lot of pressure. It's first time for me, uh, adventure, is, uh, adventure race abroad, but also I have to listen to, like, I have, I had to attempt the captain meeting. Uh, and then, you know, especially the, uh, especially the day, the, right before the start. Everyone is so excited and nervous, and the uh, the speed talking speak speed is super quick, and it was super hard for me to understand everything. But if I miss any important information, it means maybe we could not finish the race. So only one thing, English language, was the hardest part for me. The rest of them, yes, of course, physically it was hard and snowy. Uh, mountaining, uh, mountain biking, trekking, <laughs> but it was fun. It's it was everything new for me, so I really had a great time in Expedition Oregon. For 
It's an interesting thing that you bring up, right? You mentioned your own experience as an international trail runner. You mentioned Germany that you've traveled overseas. In those yes. events, you traveled by yourself, right? You were you were a single unit. You were one person making your way to that race, and you had to absorb the English and the language. But yes. for Expedition Oregon, and then again for Faroe Islands, there's the added responsibility of being a teammate that speaks English. You need to process all the information that's being given out. You need to read yes. it in English, and you need to then translate it for your teammates. And as we both know, and 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 as our as our listeners, I'm sure. Of the adventure racing, though, is that the the lead up to a race, the the preparation, the getting ready, the gear is very busy and it's very it's yes. very active. And the captain's meeting right before the race, and we were in that captain's meeting together in the Faroe Islands. It was a yes. lot of nervousness and people peppering with questions, right, and yes. asking for changes. And can you go through this tunnel? Can you go? Could you do that? And so I, I have a certain level of respect for you. The fact that you could do, all, I mean, I, I speak English sometimes too quickly, sometimes poorly. I speak English and even I struggled inside that dynamic. So for you, that must've been really almost exhausting to start the race. Do you think yes. that challenge impacted the start of your race or did it just smooth itself out? And was it okay after the race started? Right before the race, like a captain meeting was most stressful time for me, like, I need to be conf- uh, like focused foc- on the English, and especially Fair Island. We didn't have a lot of time, right? Only two hours or something. Two hours before the race. We, yeah, before the lockdown, so we didn't have enough time. Time. So once we start race, was like a. I was not navigator at that time, so I just thought, okay, now it started. Okay, we had like approximately six days or five days mm-hmm. now relaxing but it was wrong like at the time i i didn't read road book like precisely so right. i missed some information so this time i learned i should not be relaxed even after started <laughs> god you, you need to, you should. need to stay away you need to be prepared for those changes yes. and i, I think also uh, so she goes we talk about it i think for the race directors out there there's an opportunity for growth for race directors to realize that when there's an international team that does not speak the native language, they should really assign a volunteer just to that team to be there, like almost like their uh, their translator to explain all of that, right? Because you had to sit there by yourself and you had to capture all that. If someone was sitting alongside you and they just worked right. with you directly, that would have made your life a lot easier. So I think that's a growth point yeah. for race directors to take that into account. And I've seen that like there, um, I did a race one time in, in Ecuador where we were the only English speaking team. And the race director mm-hmm. was very nice about having a volunteer kind of work with us directly to break down the Spanish language instructions to understand them in English. So that's a good growth point. And like you said, yes. once the race starts, you think it's kind mm-hmm. of over, but it's kind of not. Mm-hmm. There's a whole lot going yeah. on there. So, right. You know, and obviously the Faroe Islands were a wonderful race, right? Multiple days long, a lot going on there. Let's talk a bit about the race for Team Eastwind, the the start yes. of the race and how it went. So, so overall, when you when you think about the the race experience, and we'll dig into the, the the smaller parts of the race. How did you feel how the race went for Eastwind? Did you feel it was the race that you expected to have? Was it a race that was more challenging? Was it easier? Like. When you talked about it after the race as a team, what were your team takeaways from the Faroe Islands adventure race? The race was full of challenge. 
challenges for us. Like it was the first time in team wrestling history that two women have competed together. And all but Masato are less experienced races. Uh, like it was third, my third, uh, my third international adventure race, and then other two of them like second or third. So it was a very so, young team. So a very young team. Yeah, young team. Yes, that right. So, but also we, because of our lack of fitness and skill, we try to use strategy to try to get as high as ranking as possible, but we had a lot of trouble and the result was not good for us. For us, Like, yeah, way too many trouble we had. And as you know, Waypoint 3, like a CP64, like terrible navigation mistake. Mm-hmm. And also some minor mistakes. So, and also the teamwork was terrible. Like, <laughs> but the thing, good thing is we, everyone has uh, focus on the finish line. Then we enjoyed fair and beautiful nature anyway. But the team teamwork was terrible. Not very good. Well, I think as... you're being. Well, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna push back gently a little bit on your use of language, right? <laughs> okay. Because um, okay. I think I think there might be a, a, a an, an English uh, translation. You're using the word terrible. Now, terrible. Okay usually means like disaster, like the worst thing ever. (laughs) Um, And I saw your team on the course multiple times. We passed you uh, leaving TA3. We saw you um, at the, when you, right after the race ended and it didn't look terrible, but it looked like you were trying to work hard. So, so let me, let me sort of, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll float a a thought about how the race went for you. It sounds like to me that because you were a young team, right? It was, it was first off, it was, it was um, the, the leader of the team who's done a, a, a lot of races, right? And then it was that yes. it was three team members who were on the younger side. You had to figure a lot of things out on the course, and that's yes. really hard, right? Like so for some for some teams, they race together a lot. When a race begins, they know each other very well, and there's a groove, and there's a, there's a sort of a an unspoken familiarity with each other. They know each right. other really well. And then there's yeah. some races where the team is on the newer side, the younger side, the race starts and a large part of the race is trying to figure out each other. Exactly. Have, have had the four of you raced together previously? No, we, uh, I, I raced with Masato a lot, not a lot. Like, a, like a, it was third time, but two mm-hmm. of them was first time for them. Right. So that's yeah. so so so. Please don't be too hard on yourself. You, you're you're saying terrible. <laughs> I don't want you to use that word because I know you. Okay. I know you. You feel that way. And the reason I bring it up is is that that's a really hard thing to do. Is to go to a race like the Faroe Islands, which is really hard and really wet and kind of scary and all of those things. Two people who have never raced before with the two of you, yeah. and you've only raced together three times, and so you had to figure a lot of things out on the course. Yeah. So. So, uh, so, uh, okay. and the desire to please don't please don't be too hard on yourself. I, I don't want to bring you on the okay. show and have you say those things. Okay, thank you. So I'm okay. I understand. I'm gonna change my world. Like that was not so terrible, but less like lower than we expected. You expected like, right? We, you expected a better result, and yes. it didn't go the way that you thought. Yes. Also, I thought we can race like a four of them race together very nicely. Mm-hmm. 
like with uh, follow our strategy, but we couldn't do that. Like one one member has different value, then and but we said we we told her like, or oh, if I said her, it means you know. Anyway, it's a language. <laughs> it's okay. Anyway, sorry. Well, so I told her, okay, please do this, or we should do this, or but she doesn't understand what we should do. Uh, she should do, and then she just goes straight, or, or she just running faster and faster. It was not our strategy, so we just struggled to make conversation, communication with each other. Also, Masato is very experienced person. They Masato ex- expected that. We can do more, or we should go faster more. We should we should be more efficient, but some of them cannot do that. Couldn't could not do that. So after the race, we had meeting like review reviewing all races at the airport because we had a lot of time at Copenhagen. Uh, from this time, it was nineteen hours. Okay, <laughs> we well, it's a long time and, to wait. Well, <laughs> yes. Then Masato said it was uh, if. How I described this team, uh, it was, this team was like uh, was and the great team. I understand what I mean, but he, he really did I say it like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but I think it was right, like, right. Uh, like, we could not do, uh, we, we are not, we could not follow our strategy, but also we did our best. Best team, but worst team. Well, well, that's what really matters, right? I mean, it was a, we all knew going into the race that it was going to be a very, very hard race, right? The Faroes is a remote island chain, 18 islands north of Scotland, terrible weather, you know, really steep hills, tough conditions, really out there. And so I think all the teams that went in, and this was a, a pretty heavy hitting race, 26 teams were in the race, a lot of very, very good teams. Um, you know, my team very quickly, Team Dark Zone Podcast, we're very quickly, we were we were towards the back of the field for a long time. It was amazing how fast the race took off and how quickly it went. And yeah. I think that in adventure racing, we sometimes measure success in different ways. And I would argue that Team Eastwind, having such a young team in such a hard race, getting to know each other, that you did very well. That you did very well. I know it doesn't always feel that way, right? Like, like we ended up being 19th out of the 26 teams. I thought we would have done a little bit better. I was happy with 19 teams. You were 11th, right? So 11th yeah. place for Team Eastwind. So 26 teams, you came in 11th. So don't be don't be too rough on yourself. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Okay, I will. So, so what did you find? So personally, yourself uh, being in that terrain, right? Being in the um, on the hills on the water. What did you find uh, the most enjoyable part? What part of the race do you like the most? Mm, good question. What was it? Like, I would say trekking, packrafting legs uh, section was most enjoyable section for me because I felt that, oh, I'm doing adventure racing right now. But just paddling, just trekking, just uh, mountain biking, it was also fun, but like trekking, packrafting section is the hardest part for me, for us, I think. So let so me mention that to, one... for the for the listener at home at the at the end yeah. of the race. So uh, a, a yeah. multi-day stage race, many stages. The the final 
part of the race consisted of teams leaving uh, a town in the eastern part of the islands and going to and trekking, paddling across the ocean to another island, trekking up and over the island, down, up and over three, three islands, three treks. Back, well, three treks. I want to make sure it's three islands, but definitely three separate trekking and then back to the transition area. You really enjoyed the pack raft, pack of the pack raft, up and over the mountain, then go to the next part. You felt, to you, that felt like adventure racing. Was that because you were yes. combining the different disciplines? Yes. And also, it was the hardest part. I was one of the pack hosts. I, I, I had to carry a ton of pack rafts for trekking, like uphill, downhill, and it was a hard, hard one. Because usually, like in expedition Oregon or Gotham, I was uh, the only woman in the team, so I didn't need to carry packraft. But this time, I was one of the packraft, uh, pack horse. Mm -hmm. So I just felt, oh, I'm doing different like um, role, different role, and this is challenging for me. Challenge is the important thing for adventuring. Um, I just felt. And, and to your point, the part of the dynamic there was the fact that the pack rests, which are usually double pack rests, right, which are very large, yeah. they had to go yeah. into one pack. They weighed roughly, I'm going to say, your packs were 25 kilograms, 50 pounds. They were very heavy as a result. And what the teams had to do is you had to then carry those items up and over the, you had to, you had to get out of the water, pack up the boat in your pack, up and over a, a, a trailless mountain, right? A lot of it was bushwhacking down the other side and do that. And so for you, that was a new challenge, right? That was the the carrying that much weight um, because you yeah. were pack horse, pack mule, but you had to carry all that stuff there. Did you know you'd have to carry that weight before the race or did the did the team dynamic change and you had, you had all of a sudden you had to carry it? Well, we didn't discuss about it before, before the race, but I just felt, oh, maybe I should do that because I'm good at trekking and... I'm the one of the strongest person in this team. Gotcha, gotcha. And therefore, <laughs> yeah. because you were you were on the stronger side, it was your responsibility. Sometimes that's the curse of being stronger. <laughs> yeah. You got to carry more stuff, right? It's like, oh, yeah. Well, I guess I got to mm. carry it. So obviously, that the 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 pack ref trek was your favorite part of the race, sorry. And also too, yeah. by that point in the race, you were beginning to smell the finish line, right? You were getting near the end yeah. because because after yeah. the 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 pack ref trek. Back of that TA, the next point was to cycle, um, I think, 12, 13 kilometers north, do a trek to the highest vertical cliff drop on the on the ocean, and then and then cycle back to the finish, right? So then you, yeah. that came at the very end of the race. And therefore, you, is a point in every race where you shift from being in the race to being pointed towards the finish. And by that point, you were pointed towards the finish. You were getting close to the end of the race. Yes. So that was your most enjoyable part of the race. That's what you liked the most. What part did you like the least? What is your what was the part that you just were like, oh, I really don't like doing this? Well, um, I if I, I if I have to choose one, I would say parkraft section. Like a long parkraft section yeah. is least favorite because I'm not good at uh, like I'm super weak to how can I Say in English, like I'm not very good at uh, handling my sleepiness. Like, right. I often, yeah, I can sleep. I can I can be sleepy easy. <laughs> well, you, you, have, long... you have a tough time when you get tired. You get tired, right? Mm -hmm. And it's hard to kind of. Some people are very good at that. 
they'll be tired. Yeah. I had a teammate named Shari. We raced in Scotland. She was crazy how good she was able to stay awake. Meanwhile, the three of us would be asleep in the boats and she'd be paddling away. To your point, like it gets really hard to stay awake. Yes, stay awake in a long puckerel section. So, and, that, and that was a long section. That was a, a very, yeah. very long. And I think part of it has to do with that. The pack rafting is very rhythmic, right? It's the, it's the same motion over and over again. It kind of lulls you into being, and then there's not really a whole lot to see because you don't feel like you're getting anywhere because it's just, yes. going back. and that took us many, many hours. And if you remember, after we turned a different direction, we turned into the wind. So the final yes. half of the half of the pack ref was in this big headwind. So that was a very hard mm -hmm. part. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the long pack raft was tough. Yeah. Well, it was, to be honest, it was uh, better than we expected. What, what was the team strategy? And I, I liked before you said something I think that is worth coming back to is that you realized mm -hmm. before the race that your team's skill set was not necessarily to be the fastest. So you had to use strategy. Like you had to make yes. good, smart decisions on the course and those decisions would help you out there. Can you give an example of one of those decisions? Like what was the strategic decision that Eastwind made during the race that was designed to sort of make up for the lack of speed that you thought you had? Do you remember anything like that? We team Eastwind, we are not, uh, go, uh, we cannot through the TA, like uh, we stay at the TA way too long time, usually. <laughs> like yeah. some, some team, top team pass the TA like less than 30 minutes or sometimes 20 minutes, but we stay at the tier, like one hour or two hours sometimes, especially the the latter half of the race. So we decided, okay, this time we're going to stay at the tier less than 30 minutes, or maybe it's possible, if possible, 15 minutes. So we just uh, we, we just grab the food and then we fill the water. Sometimes even water, we didn't fill the water because we can get water in the on the course, right? Then we did not, we don't go to the toilet uh, and just change something or like a pack the mountain bike, then go. We, we did not, we decided not to take a break at the TA. With the idea being the that TA is a transition area, psychologically, yes. it's easy to stay there because it's, if you think about a race is like you're you're out on the course and TAs are transition areas where we go from one discipline to another, psychologically, it's almost like kind of like a home. And yes. now all of a sudden you're home and you want to see your friends and you want to chat and you want to hang out. And I am ask my teammates, they, they will, they will, they will tell you that I would get them crazy in a TA because I'm like, hey, how are you? Good to see you. Like I would enjoy seeing other racers. And the trick was you got to come in, you got to get your stuff, and you got to get out. Because otherwise, you just bleed time in the TAs. Right. So this time, before we uh, we check in the TA, we decided, okay, this time, 15 minutes. Okay, guys, 15 minutes. I ready and go. Bam, bam, bam. Actually, we couldn't uh, leave the TA less than, like for 15 minutes, but uh, average 30 minutes. Gotcha. gotcha. And the trick was to be as, as efficient as possible. Get in, do your stuff build your bikes or whatever and get right out the door. Don't spend time there and don't hang out there too much. No. Yep. So, so, so obviously that's a really good lesson for, for teams that feel that they're lacking in fitness and strength because there's different levels of, of those is that that's a place where you can make up some, some time, right? Don't spend, if there's three or four TAs in a race and if you spend an extra 15 minutes there or 20 minutes, you lose an hour of race time. So get in, get your stuff, get right back out. Excellent suggestion.
what else did you make any decisions on the course navigationally when you looked at the maps and you and you moved across the course did you go mostly straight line would you go around things like what from a navigation perspective how did you attempt to make up that speed so this time navigator was uh, masato was our navigator and then um, i think there's no to be honest there's no difference between previous race and this time uh, navigation because always we choose the best course. Even if we are not strong enough, the best route is always best route for us. Gotcha. So you don't make any adjustment to that. The route is the route, and, and that's the way you're going to go. Okay. Yeah. And this, this time, we, I think we didn't have a lot of choice because we need to navigate more like a specific point, only one point to, to avoid the cliff. Mm-hmm. Right. If we couldn't, if we we didn't choose the right course or right direction, we hit the cliff easily, and we can through the cliff without rope. So, like there's almost no choice for us. Well, that was a very common dynamic in this race, and it's, I'm glad we mentioned it for the listener. There was a lot of down climbing on this race, a lot of coming and a lot of cliff faces. The uh, the uh, geology, the topography of the Faroe Islands is such is that. Halfway up the mountain, there would be this huge rock band that would go all the way across. And it was very easy for a team to climb to the top of a rock band and get cliffed out. You'd have to go back up. So to your point, there really wasn't a whole lot of navigational choice. There was one or two ways down, and that was it. Like you were going, and all teams had to get that way. Finding it was the hard part. That was the challenging part. And I think navigationally, I think you... Can you tell us the story about your your Packref Trek navigation? <laughs> that was a rather famous story at the race. Walk us through that. <laughs> I know that you were interested in that point. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, so I was very, I was, I was, very, I was very kind to so Shiko. I waited until minute thirty to bring that up. I wanted to kind of warm you up before I asked you that question. So, tell the world about Eastwind's uh, navigational uh, specialness during the Packref Trek. Okay, so again, uh, Masato was a main navigator this time. And I asked him after the race, or after we noticed that, uh, okay, after the race, what happened? Why did you make the mistake? And then he said, uh, okay, so I was not myself at that time. Like, usually, he checked, of course, as a navigator, he checked the route, and especially Pakraft's like a, or a paddling section, he checked the whole uh, like view. I would say view, and then, okay, I, have, I I we have to go that way, and then just hit that shoreline or peninsula or mountains. But this time he just give that um, that step. Like after we portage, the okay, you know, there's a rocky road or something. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. have to. Portage. We had to portage. Then after that, usually he checked the map, but at that time he didn't check the map. Once he he saw the mountain, okay, that mountain should be the mountain we have to go. Actually, it was four kilometer away from the red point three. Right. Yeah. So just I just said I don't know what happened, but 
I would say he was not himself at that time. Well, late in the race, <laughs> tired, you know, the, the the time of day, and and for the for the listener at home, I'll, I'll I'll sort of fill in the blanks there. During that big pack graph trek, um, waypoints were plotted on the race maps: waypoint three, waypoint four, and that was where teams had to take out. So you're on the water on your pack raft, you find the waypoint, you you go on the shoreline there. It's expected. Pack up your boat, you climb up over the mountain to waypoint four, back in the water. What happened to Eastwind was, was that their waypoint three, which, <laughs> and we never made it that far in the race. So I can't speak about dark zone and how, and, and how it impacted us. Cause we never, we never got there that team Eastwind missed waypoint three and went past it and went really far past it and went really <laughs> far past it to the point where you had, you had left the race maps. Right. And so the people at home watching, they were all watching your dot because remember we wear the GPS trackers. You could see us. Eastwind was getting further and further and further off the course to the point where when you finally took out that the race director decided to send a couple teams after you, not not team teams, support teams for the race to, to help you get yourself back on course. Do you remember the moment when they found you on the course? Yes, I do remember. How that did that go? Moment. What was that? What was that interaction like when you realized that they had sent someone to get you? Now you didn't know what you thought you were in a different place, right? You didn't realize that's where you were on the course. Yeah, I didn't. We didn't know that. Oh my god, I'm getting excited. Like, sorry, I should be cool. Okay, calm down, Tachiko. <laughs> well, well, first off, be easy on yourself because because a lot of teams, a lot of good teams, and a lot of yeah. and my team also from time yeah. to time, we walk mm -hmm. off the map. Like mistakes yeah. happen. And so yes, this is a this is a good lesson for the for the people in the world out there in navigation. Yep. Your mistake is our learning. So thank you for that. So yes. what was it like when yeah. the when the rescue team came across you? So once like after we took off the packraft, still we didn't know that uh, we we did we made terrible uh, we did we made big mistake, <laughs> and so we just climbed up the mountain, no doubt. And but after that, when I we when we were on the rejoin, oh something wrong. What's happened? It seemed like this something different. And then we checked them up. And then at that time, uh there the uh, uh at the time we just noticed, oh my god, we were on the different place at the different place. But still we just thought maybe one less than one kilometer away from the right point. We didn't know that four kilometer out of the map. <laughs> yeah, so you realized pretty quickly that you were not where you wanted to be, and you yeah, thought you were but, closer to where you wanted to be, but you weren't. You were you were four almost five kilometers away. You know, three miles. Yeah. You were, and to your credit, congratulations because you had the you had the completely wrong mountain. So that's actually pretty impressive that you guessed the wrong mountain. But we'll, we'll blame the fog <laughs> as that being the issue. Um, and yeah. so, what was that like? So when they came across you, yeah. did you have to go. How did you get out of that? Did you go down the other side or did you have to go back down the side you came up? Like what direction did they send you when the rescue team found you? Okay, so as a uh other side, like another side. Because at the time we just struggled to through the ridge line there, the deep cliff. Then mm -hmm. oh we just noticed that oh we could not make it. We could not pass this uh, deep cliff. So we decided to go a bit of another side and then make the uh, find a route to go to this. Uh, uh, we try to find the route to CP64. Actually, right. there's no route, 
but we just struggled on the other other side of the mountain. Got it. And at the time, there foggy place, and then we we hear this voice somewhere, like, oh, oh, did you hear the sound? Uh, someone is close to us. Maybe other team, like after CP64, they are, uh, we, they are walking around with us. We just guessed because we just thought we are very close to the CP64. <laughs> but actually, it was rescue team, like a, the team, two so, of them. So you're feeling good. You're thinking, hey, there's another team here. We're in the right place. Yeah. We're close. This is great. You're all high-fiving each other. This is, And all yeah. of a sudden, you look up and it was a rescue team. Yeah, <laughs> we tried to uh, ask them, where are you? And did you hit CP64? We tried to ask them, but because of the distance or foggy place, mm -hmm. we couldn't do, uh, we, we could not talk properly. Then after that, uh, uh, we tried to go a little bit down because the super rocky place, not very safe. <laughs> we decided to go another side or walk down a little bit more. And then eventually we met two guys and then they said, hey guy, hey team, team is wind. Do you know where you are right now? And then I said, ah, maybe two kilometers away from CP64, but we couldn't find the route, blah, blah, blah. I know we are wrong place, but uh, we should be fine. But actually they said, no, <laughs> no, no, oh, you are out of the map, four kilometers away. <laughs> I didn't know that. And then, very kind person. They they showed us to the right place, right course, and eventually we we survived. Yeah, and, and that's well. First off, that's the goal, right? You survived, and yeah, you get a good story as a result of it. So that was very good. And mm -hmm. and we were we were passing through the the transition when you were on your own personal adventure, making your own maps up. And we were uh, we were told that you were pretty far off the map, but we knew that you were okay and that they'd sent someone after you. So yes. that was very, very good. Um, yeah. When you when you recovered from that and you you got get back on course, yes. you had the rest of the race in front of you, and right there you were near the end. And so clearly you finished strong and, you know, before you used the word terrible, let's not, we'll back off that word a bit, 11th place. So clearly a, a, a strong result for a, a young team in a, in a really challenging environment. So I think Eastwind really lived up to its name and its reputation and did a really nice job. For yourself personally, what was your self-care like? Like, like walk us through, your, like, what do you eat during the race? What do you, how do you take care of your feet? Like a big part of adventure racing is taking care of yourself, getting the right food in, making certain that you're, you're not chewed up when it comes to your feet with blisters and stuff. What strategies do you use personally to take care of yourself during a race? So I already have experience to walk long distance. Like my longest trail running race was 665 kilometer in Germany. So I know how to care my feet. You did, a, you did okay. a trail race that was over 600 kilometers. Yes, yeah, 665 kilometer in Germany. That is amazing. <laughs> So how long did that take you? Like eight days. Eight days. No okay. So you're the real deal. Like, so you know what you're doing out there. Okay. So, so <laughs> I thought so I misheard I that. To, yeah. I thought I misheard so, that. And so clearly for you, uh, an adventure race is pretty much like from a feet perspective, you're good because you take care of yourself. So walk us through your overall strategy with the the, the massive race like that of, of 600 kilometers in the race. How do you take care of your feet? Uh, I'm using the famous 
cream, like mm. maybe some some people have heard it before. Garnigu from yep. New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. yep, yep. We use garnigu always, and mm-hmm. it works very well. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, garnigu. Yes, I, I see Garnigu's yeah. book right here. He's one of my uh, mm-hmm. he's one of my future guests, hopefully. Right. Okay. So you so you keep your feet well lubricated. You keep a lot of, yes. of garnigu on them. Okay. Mm-hmm. And also we, uh, well. There's no special treatment this time. Sometimes we use powder at the TA, but this time we decided not to stay at TA a long time. So no chance to use powder a lot. Just keep, but also uh, just keep uh, treat my feet by cream. Or um, personally, I try to pull off my shoes as much as possible. Yeah. When I, okay, okay, team, just t- uh, let's take a break, 50 minutes, 50 minutes, enough for me to put off my shoes and dry up a little bit and care my feet. Some people, uh, some member or some people just paint an egg to treat your feet and just take a break putting their shoes. But that, that is not very good for skin. So I know that yeah. I often try. There, there's a few strategies there, right? Like I have a teammate, Jimmy, that every time we're in the TA, shoes and socks are off. He puts on a pair of Crocs and he gets his feet out. He gets his feet dry. That's like... Like absolutely does that. Um, I know that in the Endless Mountains Adventure Race, Team Ben Racing, Dan Stortigal talked about how every five hours, no matter how they felt, they did foot care. So they didn't yeah. they didn't wait for there to be a crisis. Like sometimes people wait until there's foot pain or there's a blister and then they do something. But then mm-hmm. some teams proactively, and I see that you're shaking your head. It sounds like that's what you like to do. Like you like to you like to treat your feet before there's any sort of issue with them. Right. Yeah, like you said, some people just misunderstand. After, uh, after you uh, some, you get pain, that is way too late to treat your feet because you can't recover your skin during the race, right? It's not mm-hmm. uh, like we don't have enough time to like recover the skin. You don't so heal. We sh- <clears throat> yeah, okay. You don't, you can't, you don't heal your skin during the race. So we should keep skin healthy as much as possible. Gotcha. Got and never, and never get to the crisis, right? Never get to the, so you're not treating the pain. You're keeping the pain away altogether. Cause there are some racers I think who, and I fall into this trap too, is that they kind of believe that no matter what happens, their feet are going to fall apart somehow. You're saying, no, if you take care of your feet properly, they never fall apart and you, and you'll, you'll be hmm. fine. Okay. So, so that's feet. And that, by the way, that's, thank you for that. That's really good advice for the newer racer. Cause Foot care is the most, the common thing I hear from listeners is how do I take care of my feet? And and I know for myself too, my feet have very often been my enemy. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. What about nutrition? How do you take, how do you eat during the race? I eat rice cracker mm-hmm. <laughs> and rice and some sort of gel or gummy something. Got Basically, it. as a Japanese people, we love rice cracker because it's so very flavor because usually gel or power is sweet always yeah. sweet and sweet and we are just tired of the sweetness though yeah we you're right during the race, during yeah, the, race and it, right? the sugar wears on you during the race like and, and eventually if you're mm-hmm. not careful you get mouth sores like your mouth gets mm-hmm. kind of chewed up by all the, the the sugar you're having so to your point a, a, a rice cake if, if i if I'm, I'm hearing correctly is a it's a relatively it's good calories. It's not too sweet. It's not, and it's, it's able to go down there. Do you, yeah. 
did you did you bring all of your food to the Faroes, or did you buy food there, or did you, or did you carry it across uh, the on the plane? Yes, exactly. We are sponsored by one of the famous uh, rice cooker, uh, <laughs> not rice cooker, rice cooker or snack maker or brand. So we often use rice. Uh, we often eat them during the race. So tell tell us their name. What's, what's the name of the sponsor? Uh, <laughs> like we are sponsored by Kameda Seika, one of the famous one. Kakinotane. It looks like a um, like a like like a croissant shape, mm-hmm. and very so very and good for beer. Okay. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, during the race we could not drink beer, but we often eat them or just a regular flavor. Uh, yeah, so I think I, I think the drinking of the beer during the race doesn't happen too much. That's usually <laughs> after the race. But there there have been some racers that have stopped during a race that had a few beers. I know that I've I've heard those stories from other teams. Yes. <laughs> um. So do you do you so clearly you foot care you take care of yourself you know your 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 stomach you eat well what was sleep like like how much did you sleep during the race? Well, this time we slept a lot because of the because of the uh we okay. First of all, we uh we slept a lot. Like we had to stay, and how can I explain? Like we plan to stay only. We plan to sleep only three hours this this time, but we could not do that. Like we could not make it. We had to stay. We had to stay more in the tent because during the uh, in the dark, we could not navigate properly. We could not find CP on the reach in the, in the fog, or because after CP sixty four, or I would say before CP sixty four, uh, some people just told us, "Oh, we could not at, uh, approach the CP sixty four in the dark. It's super dangerous." So we decided to stay in the tent uh, till uh, till the sun coming. I, so I've heard that stay. for this race. I heard that, by the way, just just to add on to that. A lot of teams, because at, at night, the weather would get very bad. It was interesting. The sun would go down and mm-hmm. then the fog would come in and the rain would come in. It's Maybe that's part of the, the Faroe Islands weather. And so a lot yeah. of teams, Team Dark Zone included, we were just like, listen, it's getting dark. It's getting messy. Get in the tent, sleep for a couple hours and keep going. So we actually slept more during the race also because movement yeah. at night in the fog was impossible. So it sounds like you slept more because of that. Yeah. That right, and then I think it was we stay in the tent like eight hours, approximately eight hours. So we slept for six hours or more this time. That's a was, long time. That's a yeah. big sleep in a race. Six hours a yes, long time. Exactly. Yeah. Was yes. that was that at one time or was that total for uh, the race? I mean total. In total, total six hours during the race. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And you expected to sleep three, and you actually ended up sleeping six. Yes. Yeah, so. Okay. It, at the time, okay. Usually, I I feel tired easily, but but this time I did not sleep compared with other other race. <laughs> got it, got it. Yeah, we uh, when we got into uh, TA five six, which was the Packraft Trek stage, the cutoff was in place, and as a result, we weren't able to go on that section of the race, and they'd cut the short course. It's a big thing with the weather and all that sort of stuff, and so we had a, a lot of time to kill. So we actually went to a hotel and got a room and slept for like seven hours. We, so really? I slept more <laughs> at one point. I slept more at one session than you slept the entire race. So there's a there's yeah. a comparison between Team Eastwind and Team Dark Zone. You can see the difference <laughs> between how the two teams, um, and also to the hotel we stayed in had a had a continental breakfast. So that's why breakfast in the hotel too. 
Then we began racing really? again. Yeah, really hardcore. Wow. You can tell we're hardcore racers on Team Dark Zone. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're out there on CP64 off the map, and I'm sitting there having a croissant, uh, which I toasted, what? by the way. So, well, you know, each day it was out to Chico. <laughs> I'm just curious, but after that, uh, like a comfortable stay, you you were back to the course, right? Back to the course. Took a shower, dried oh, out my yeah. gear, back on my bike, and off we it go. It was also it was also the hardest task because you know once you clean up yourself and on the clean bed it's hard to back to the like cold no problem at all dry me out give me a shower breakfast and dry me out i'm good for another five days count me in yeah real real real, real, real eye the tiger stuff here in team dark zone um so so I, I think as you have a chance to talk out loud about the race, it sounds like to me, you know, when when we began talking Sashiko, it was you were kind of down on yourself in terms of how the race went for the team. But it sounds like ultimately, when you think about it, you had a really a good growth experience, right? Because I mean, how you know, speaking honestly, when you think about it on paper, you have a very very experienced team leader, you have three newer racers. I'm sure Eastwind realized that your result, especially with the quality of the field, I mean, there were some fast teams there. I think 11th place overall is a really strong showing for Eastwind. I know that you always want to win, right? That's the goal of the Eastwind is to win the race. But when you consider all of the challenges, the terrain, the new teammates, the the the, the weather, all of that, I got to tell you, I think Eastwind should be happy with their results. <laughs> well, maybe. Okay, so honestly... Honestly, uh, top eleven. I'm not super happy with that that result. Cause, okay, eleven is a good result. Maybe, maybe not. And this time we could not do a good race. I think like, okay, what is a good race? But this time we think we thought good race is cooperate each other and then like. Okay. Oh, so I think I, so. I think what you're saying is this: I think that you put aside the number. The yeah. way that the way that the way that Eastwind measures a good race is not the final standing, but how well the team works together during the race. Yeah, and, exactly. Well, how works? Yeah. And I think that when you talk about it, when you when when you look back on the race and you had a chance to talk about the race, put aside put aside the final result. You mm-hmm. wished that the team dynamic was better you wish that the, the teamwork was better that's where that's that's the real judge that east wind has not the final result but how well the team sort of coordinates and works together am, am i hearing you correctly yes exactly <laughs> so yeah this time we we could not work together um nicely i think and like i said the last part after ta6 uh after ta6 you know there the trekking mountain bike section mm-hmm. and then usually when auto racers just happy with the section because we just rush to the goal but this time we kind of fight each mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then what's like okay me and another women just kind of fighting because i want to go faster and she's at a different Value or this different strategy, and then she go alone, and then okay, 
you can you cannot do that but she doesn't she didn't listen me to me she didn't listen to me and um, and then eventually masato just laughing at us okay something happened and then another teammate couldn't do anything so at the time we were not work together got it and we all know that it, that in adventure racing um which makes us a fascinating sport and why i love it so much is that you're forced to do a lot of things simultaneously and to your point inside the race experience the four of you it was you needed to work better together at that point but because of all the challenges all that was going on it never really connected it never really gelled right you never really came together and that was a frustration point for you because yes. there was and it's really really hard and here's the lesson for the for the for the newer racer right as we as we talk about racing you have to figure that out right the team has to everybody has to give a little bit and everybody has to take a little bit because you don't want anybody out there by themselves and i think that was east wind struggle during this race was kind of making that connection yes that right so what's next for for you and for team Eastwind? what's your next race uh, for Team East Wind, uh, South Africa uh, World Championship is going to be next. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are, are you on that roster? Are you going to travel there? Nope. Okay. <laughs> no, this time another woman going to be the member. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Part, like, I, you don't need to use this this uh, answer on the podcast. But I'll let it this, I'll let this part I, out. Yeah. <laughs> personally, I have a live event next month. Oh, this month already? September. Yeah, September. I mean, September. Uh, I'm gonna marry. <laughs> oh, can I get married? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I get. Can I leave that in the podcast? Let me leave that in. <laughs> That's great news. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And so I have to go to Canada. My boyfriend is Canadian. And okay. By the way, if you, if you think an adventure race is hard, try marriage. <laughs> I mean, it's it's preparation for an adventure race. Well, congratulations. That's great news. <laughs> Thank you so much. Holy yeah, cow! So I'm. So I'm busy next month and maybe October as well. So I'm I'm not yeah. ready to do that. Yeah. Yeah, a marriage kind of a wedding and a marriage kind of you know gets in the way of a lot of things. But congratulations, that's yeah. great news. Thank you so much. Oh, Thank and, you. And can I leave it in? I think it's I think the the audience will like hearing you're getting married. Is that okay if I leave that in? <laughs> yeah, of course, no problem. <laughs> okay, okay, very good. Oh, that's great stuff. Oh my goodness, that is just I just think the uh, oh wonderful news that makes my day. Congratulations. Um. <laughs> And so obviously, because you have your wedding coming up, um, we have to, you're, you're putting your adventure racing on hold. What do you envision mm-hmm. down the road for yourself? Do you envision, um, are you going to do more trail races? Are you going to work on adventure racing? Are you going to take some time off? Like, clearly you're a very talented athlete. And so what direction do you think you're going to go? What's next for you? Well, this, mm-hmm. So basically, I'm going to keep doing the race for four years. Mm-hmm. Maybe even if after the marriage, after after I have a uh, family, I'm going to doing race a bit more until I achieve the great, um, like until I won the race. I, I win the race in my, one of my, one of the, one of, one of my um, goal, my short term goal is win the race in Patagonia with Masato. Patagonia expedition race. Yes. So you, so you're going that, to Patagonia. Uh, or you well, want to go? Yeah, I want to go. My team didn't decide yet, but uh, doesn't uh, my team doesn't decide yet? But personally, I want to go to Patagonia with Masato and win the race. 
that is that is and and for the listeners out there they they're bringing back the patagonia expedition race which is a famous race like the per it's one of the it's one of the big ones and it's a it's the real deal right it's it's a very very hard challenging race um yes i mean i, I would i would if i i would go no if, if the bus pulled up outside to go i'd get on the bus right now i mean it's an amazing <laughs> amazing race it's all about timing and scheduling to get down there um and i think that that's a that's a a, a big goal and i think that's definitely I, I love the fact that you're you're looking to take a big bite of the world right that's a big thing to do to go win patagonia um, yes, and I and I hope that you get there. I, I hope that the it works out. The team East Wind is able to get there, and there's famous stories about East Wind at the earlier Patagonia races too. I love the fact that you're you're now you know Sushiko, you're you're part of this tradition of East Wind, right? That you're yes. that you're you're connected to this legendary adventure racing team. I just absolutely I think it's the greatest yes. thing in the world. Um, yes, yes, I think I'm I'm proud of myself. <laughs> I have great connection with him. Yeah. So what advice, and, and and I want to be respectful of your time, and I know that it's, it's Friday night in Tokyo right now, and you should get out there and, and go live your life a little bit. Tell me, a, tell me a bit about as we as we close out here. Um, what what advice, what wisdom would you give to the newer racer? What do you want them to take away from this conversation? Mm, so new racers, so I would say mm, when you are in the race. Don't think about yourself, your mind. Uh, what do you like or what do you hate? Uh, I'm saying, what do you dis- dis- dislike? Mm-hmm. More like you just you just focus on the team. Just think about what should the team do? What should I do? Or what do I want? Don't think like that. What team want to do? You know, always like um, subjects should be team, not you. Well, Sashiko, you have been very, very generous with your time. I appreciate you coming on the dark zone. Mm-hmm. Good luck with the wedding. Great stuff, yeah. right? If you think Thank adventure you. racing is tough, try marriage. Yeah. I cannot wait to hear about you at Patagonia. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you for having me this time. And I had a great time. And it's my it's an honor to be on your podcast. And I'm looking forward to episode, you said 77? This will be, this will be 77. And I'm looking forward to listening to it. <laughs> Thank you so much. And there you have it, dear listener. Episode number 77 of The Dark Zone, your adventure racing podcast. Thank you to Sashiko Takora of Team Eastwind for coming on the show. She was generous with her time and her enthusiasm, and we are grateful that we had the chance to bring her on. Keep an eye out for her in future races, and I do believe that she will make it to the Patagonia Expedition Race. We are all rooting for her. And thank you for being a listener. The Dark Zone continues to grow in both popularity and listenership, and that is due to you liking this show, spreading the word, sharing it with your friends please head over to your streaming platform of choice and like and click and rate and do all that fun stuff. The algorithm likes that. And thank you for being here. We enjoy bringing you the dark zone on a semi-regular basis. We're getting near the end of the 2023 racing season and the world champs are right around the corner. We will have a presence there virtually, not going to Africa. Wish we were not going to work out, but we will do some fun stuff over the internet. Keep racing, keep training, and we'll keep talking. Thanks again.